let's um what what you were just saying then was actually a good way to like sort of have an entry point at the um of the podcast so if you could kind of just repeat something <laughs> of what you just said and that'll be a good way to segue in well i think what we were sort of doing last time was talking a bit around once we'd moved off the software topic we moved into sort of a bit about what we were doing and it seemed like the main thrust of the problems we were having were around the actual uh, act of getting the work done. Not only, not only getting the work done, but getting the work completed in enough time that it felt worthwhile, but also knowing when to sort of give up on things, knowing when you've learned as much as you are going to learn from a particular project and where that line sort of is and how to keep moving and not to get stuck in something and spend two months on it you know when you've already taken away everything that you are going to take from that project yeah not only productivity as in actively doing things but effective productivity yeah not just not just doing things for the sake of doing it but having a reason to i I think i think we'll with that said this is probably a good place to open the podcast so hello everybody uh my name is Jaden. i am blah and this is also Chris. Why are you blah? Um, because I didn't think of what to say. Oh, so okay. I am blah. Well, well, I'm Chris and I am terminally unable to get a project finished. <laughs> well, <laughs> Just thought I'd you and I are like... So, Chris, you have thoughts on productivity. What are they? Well, my thoughts on productivity are helpfully arranged in uh, the, the amount of notes that I've taken here on our conversation that we just had about productivity ah yes that is a very interesting point well (laughs) i was wondering if you just wanted to lead off because last week we did say that we were going to talk a bit about productivity and i think leading on from talking about the projects that we were working on and the struggles that we were having with them those projects seem to be sort of revolving around what constitutes productivity and like we were just saying what constitutes effective productivity versus just putting stuff out for the sake of putting stuff out or finishing stuff for the sake of finishing stuff and where that line is and what what could actually be useful. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think there's definitely certain methods of productivity that are more effective than others. And that's something that's pretty obvious without saying. Uh, something I've been playing around with a bit are ways to stop myself from just burning out. Like burnout is just such a killer. And I think controversial statement here, I think it's important for everyone to experience burnout once Ooh, because hot, con- take. Con- hot take, but here, here's, here's my justification. Not everyone's going to agree. That's fine. But I just think that if you burn out, if you can bounce back from that, you know where your limit is and you can push that up a limit and you know when to pull back on it. It's well, not so something that's going to, if that's not something that's going to help for everyone, but that's something that I think has been pretty helpful for me. Would you make, would you make a distinction between running out of energy and burnout or running out of momentum and burnout? Cause to me, burnout is a very specific thing that you encounter and I don't know about you, but in the past for me, it's been sort of intrinsically linked to things like anxiety and depression and that sort of area where you're actually getting into a bit of an unhealthy territory 
because Maybe, your expectations yeah. your expectations are so high for the thing that you want to be doing and you are unable to do that and then what you sort of get into in my opinion what burnout is is you don't know what the limit is you don't know whether you're pushing too hard or whether you're not pushing hard enough so you don't know which direction to travel in and that's a dangerous place to be and it's something that i've had myself i don't know if i'd say that people should get into that position is there some sort of nuance there that you would make i think that maybe you and i have had different experiences of burnout i i've definitely had a lot of burnout at university but i think that the burnout that you have experienced is in a different way whereas as a more self-managed whereas with mine it was more at uni especially doing my masters where my burnout was more or less confined to my semesters so that I could really push myself and by the end of the semester I was at the edge of burning out or I was burnt out but nevertheless I would still have that semester break to recuperate so I think you know possibly that's where you know the difference with you and I is yeah I think I think think that there might be a term terminological difference there terminology terminological difference the I think the idea being out. that I think I think what I see as burnout is a bit more severe than what you're talking about. I think maybe that could be a good subject for a podcast that we do actually on burnout. Mm. Um, so show me your segue magic and bring it back around to productivity, and tell me uh, <laughs> tell me how how you relate the the idea of knowing your upper and lower limits in figuring out how to apply that to a project. Well, here is some Segway magic right here. As Segway I stall, As I stall for time to think. <laughs> I, I have pushed myself pretty hard at uni and I've, I've gotten to points where I just feel like I'm about to bust. And at the time, it was just... I, 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 at the time, thinking at it, I was just like, this. It, why am I doing this myself? This is so pointless in causing this much stress on myself and in a way it was definitely bad for me there is a bit of toxic culture to that at the university that I was at Mm. but what that has taught me was what my limits are and you know how hard I can push that and so with that knowledge I've sort of been trying to figure out ways that I can be more productive in my days because when I was at university I would just sit there usually for the same working on the same project for days on end and the worst parts where I really felt like I was just killing myself was when I was just not looking at other subjects I was delaying you know an essay while I was working on a design studio for something and what I've what I wasn't doing is I wasn't making incremental progress I wasn't bringing everything up to boil at the same time you know so to speak practicing starting more than practicing finishing (sighs) yeah yeah somewhat i just things were just unbalanced and i i was just too set and focusing on the one thing and we touched on this a little bit in the last pod where i just i i feel like if i work on the same project for too long 
you're more likely to get sick of it. You're more, you, like the human brain just is not meant to concentrate on the one thing for so long because it right. just bits the dummy. Well, at least that's my... Well, it starts to create a trauma around it that's like, I want to go sit down in that same space and work on that same thing because I value the outcome of it. But then your body has a physical reaction that's like, no, 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 you don't want to do that. What we want to do is go play video games and eat greasy food. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's really important to be able to have something that is separate to that hmm. in the sense that it, it is scheduled and it is programmed into you to have something else to be productive in on See, the side of what you're actually doing. I know that as uh, effective procrastination. Do you know what that is? No, but it sounds it sounds quite a bit like what I'm doing. Not quite effective procrastination. Mine more of comes around from uh, indecisiveness of things that I want to do. So as I've touched in the other pods, I want to have a business in ArcViz, architectural rendering, but I also want to be a stylized environment artist or prop artist. Mm. And at this point, I've decided, okay, I really want to just push uh, doing stylized art quite hard. I really want to make some good progress because I've been telling myself for years that I'm going to develop that skill further. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not ready to give up on ArcViz. I do have some potential there and I've got some clients you know, willing to go ahead with some projects. So in, in the meantime of not having any clients, what I've decided to do in, to continue to sharpen my skills in Archivers and keep my portfolio up to date and to help myself find new clients is I've dedicated myself every day at about the same time. So about eight o'clock, I'll go to a cafe pull out my laptop yeah I'm that guy and uh, and I'll do an hour of arc viz and you know then I'll go home and I'll you know, have breakfast brush my teeth whatever whatever and then I'll spend the rest of my day working on um, uh, working on game art working on stylized mm. art and the great thing about that is that it gives me this sense of once I've done that the whole day is just a little bit of pressure is taken off because I feel like I haven't completely neglected neglected this other thing which is a problem that I had at uni where if I was working on designing a building for an assignment and then I had these essays that I was just neglecting these other things that I had to do that I wanted to do but I was just completely neglecting I wasn't making any incremental progress which I think is probably a key word here yeah. It, it felt like I was just push. It feels like I'm just pushing that boulder just a little bit enough to sort of make a difference and feel like I've done something productive. And I think it's really important to you know get something productive done early in the morning hmm. because it gives you a sense of accomplishment early on. And yeah, here. you know, may, maybe I... that is something that <laughs> it can make you a little bit complacent. I don't actually know, but. Something from That's what I'm about to ask is I'm saying I agree with you, but as a devil's advocate, I would like you to justify the difference between scratching an itch so that you can 
go the rest of your day without feeling the pressure to do it and actual productivity because how do you make the differentiation between not taking the thing you'd like to be working on seriously enough to put the hours in without having justified it to yourself because and I'm not saying that this is happening, but an uncharitable take would be that you don't believe in your goal of hand-painted CG art enough to feel like you've achieved something by working on that alone and that by having to do that hour in the morning of ArcViz, you've you've done your big boy work, you've done your adult work, <laughs> and then that gives you the justification to play the rest of the day. So what would you say to that? I'm not saying that that's how I feel about yeah. it. I'm just saying that, that it it could be a critique of that particular argument. Well, it goes back to my previous experience doing this. So what I, and, and the reason why I started doing this is that a couple of years ago, I went in back to working in architecture and the days were just so long and so grindy no matter you know what part of a project I was working on even though it was something that I actually you know really enjoyed just getting through the day really was just a bit it was a bit difficult and at some point I thought I want to make some progress towards this goal I want to make some progress towards working towards ArcViz so I'd get so this, this work that I was at, it had a cafe across the road, the same cafe that I go to now. And I would show up there an hour before I start work and I'd do an hour. Uh, and this is actually a term that my, my friend used to do the same thing and he called it an hour. And uh, so, you know, I do an hour of work of ArcViz. And then I'd go into work and just, I couldn't, I didn't realize this at first, but my days were just so much better. It was so much easier to get through the work. And mm. I really noticed it so much significantly when I, if I woke up late and I didn't have time to go and do that hour of 3D art before I started my actual job. And I think this is just pure skepticism, not a scientist, not a doctor here, but I think that getting something accomplished early on in the day must release some sort of neurochemical like serotonin or something like that and that's just a good way to perk you up in the morning for the rest of your day and it's it's quick wins right it's it's it's, it's, it's not it's, about justifying the work later in the day it's about having completed something so you've given your space yourself the space to explore the rest of the day yeah so you feel like you, the way you're, not, would... you're not chasing to catch up with the pack you are at the head of the pack comfortably, which gives you the space to sort of focus on things that might be less immediately satisfying. Yeah, what the way I would describe it is it gets the ball rolling in a really great way. And it's it, it comes it's sort of related to this military uh, thing that they do where you know, some of the viewers might have seen it online. There's this, I think it might have been a TED talk or a speech by a, a military official, I can't remember if they're Australian or American, and they're explaining why they make their soldiers make their beds perfectly every single morning. And it's because, first of all, the first thing you do when you wake up is make your bed. You've done something productive. And not only have you made your bed, but you've made it 
perfectly. It's that satisfaction of starting the day well. And then no matter how bad your day goes, at least you have a nicely made bed to climb back into. And it kind of runs somewhat along those lines of starting the day properly. You start... So is that is that about bracketing the day itself or is it just about the starting? Uh, for me, it's just about the starting. It's starting the day on a positive note because there's nothing, nothing worse than like starting the day poorly where you know you wake up late or whatever and then you kind of just scroll on social media for a while in bed and then mm. you know you go to the toilet and you, you know, kind of just go I'm tired and then you slowly have breakfast but no if you pull yourself out of bed you do your morning routine that you have to do really quickly and you get some work done then you've kind of gotten something under your belt. And I think this is just me theorizing here, but I think maybe that has something to do with possibly releasing some sort of dopamine or whatever. And that kind of gets you in a good mood and a good rhythm for the rest of the day. It gets you in a productive mindset because honestly, that's what it does for me. It gets me in a productive Mm -hmm. mindset. Well, yeah, it at least, it at least gets rid of white page syndrome where you, the scope of the work is as vast as you can imagine because you haven't broken it down into the smaller tasks yet. And that's, um, have you read a book called eat that frog? I have not, but I've heard of it. I've, I've heard of the term. So, so the, the main thrust of it is that you're supposed to just do the hard thing that you're dreading first, instead of just, yes, you know, w- wombling around doing whatever you want. Uh, you just, do the hard thing first, you get it out of the way, and then you'll focus on all the little other bits that you would have probably preferenced. Yes, actually, that is that is exactly it. Because, because Mike, just uh, as, as an ad- addition to that, my question to you would be, are you eating a frog in that you foresee something challenging or unpleasant that you need to get out of the way? Or are you doing something that drags you out of bed because it's something you want to do and you take pleasure in. Because I think there's a there is a subtle but a meaningful difference between the two. Uh, this sounds counterintuitive, but both, both in a sense that I enjoy ArcViz and doing that and moving that boulder forwards makes me feel like yes, I'm on the path to being a freelancer and I'm producing a body of work that I will be happy with. But mm. with that said, I I definitely, for me, I love stylized, hand-painted art much more than ArcViz. If I had to pick one, sorry, ArcViz, it's going to have to be stylized art. But And, and so is... why don't you leap out of bed with the incentive of getting up, of doing an hour of hand-painted instead of architecture? What's the justification? Because I've tried previously to wake up and you know do stylized art for the first half of the day and then do some archives later. And I've tried that vice versa. I found that if I just get some archives done in the morning, then I'm free to do game art for the rest of the day. I, so it, it, it pulls me out. Thing. Of, yeah, it pulls me out of bed in a sense that time to go and get myself towards 
a lifestyle and a business that I really want to do. But it also, once I've done that, I'm free to do the art that I prefer. It's not that I don't like doing art viz, it's that there are other modes of art that I like better. It's about not letting the thing that you want to do consume your entire life as a nine to five day job might otherwise do. It's about accepting that you're a dimensional person outside of that. And that if you're making incremental progress, that incremental progress is and can be enough. Sometimes it won't be. Sometimes you'll have to put more Mm. hours in, but it's accepting that once you've done it, you've at least moved the boulder a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And like you just said, you know, sometimes it can require you to put a bit more effort in. And I think that if you are in a situation where you think, oh, this this thing requires more effort, at least the boulder's already moving. You know, at least you haven't just sat there procrastinating it for two weeks or a month or a week or however long. At least mm. you have actually made some decent progress. At least it's moving. You know, you don't have to start from zero. And is that productivity to you? Is that what productivity looks like or is defined by? No, I think there's a lot of different types of productivity. I think that there's more, as I said, there's more effective ways of productivity than others. And I think it's a fairly effective productivity for me, at least, to rather than solve my indecisiveness and make a decision, (laughs) it, it allows me to do two things at once. It allows me to be a bit more flexible, a bit more yeah. general in my art approach. And yeah, overall, it's just, <laughs> it just feels like it's, it's just a good form of productivity for me. And I think that it, there, there is a transition period in there, in the, when I go and I sit down at a cafe and you don't have to do this, like maybe you can do it right you know, say you want to sit down at your computer at home, whatever. Uh, once I do that, I before I start doing the archives, I write a list of the things I want to do today. I've got a, a little booklet that's roughly pocket size, and I just have like just you know to do things on the day. Yeah. And, you know, at the top it'll be archives an hour. And then... I have to admit that lists for me have been the highest leverage thing for productivity it's breaking it down to the actual simplest next step i don't know if i'd do something like arcviz one hour because to me that would be a little bit too general i think i'd um it'd be like you know go to cafe you know set up laptop open project file like it has to be that granular because if it's not then you're applying thought to the process and as soon as you start applying thought you're applying choice and when choice happens you start making decisions against your own interest in the moment would you agree to that yes but i think it's something that really depends on the individual i've tried to be really granular before with my lists and it just doesn't work as well for me I, i'm going to go back and I'm try it a little bit more but I'm just trying out how being more broad with things will be because mm. I find that if I'm going too granular, it's it, it's one of those things where I find it works on paper, but then when I'm in the moment and I'm doing things, I'm like, I could really push this a little bit further. Like, and may, maybe I don't have to. 
So I, for me, what I find is I'll write a series of things, of tasks that I want to do. Uh, so hang on, let me open it up now and see some of the things that I have. Um, see, I, I think that when you do that, I think, it, as you say, it is down to the individual because I do need the specificity. I need to have the a moment at the start where I sit down and me and my wife had this saying and so we have to remind each other of it constantly because we're both very procrastinating people. Um, no time spent planning is time wasted because if yeah. you actually set aside a specific time for planning before you begin a process or a project, you've sort of accounted for the entire process before you started. So you always know what your next step is. Mm. If you know what your next step is, you've removed the need to actually really think about it unless you encounter an unforeseen obstacle, at which point you can sort of re-engage your uh, executive function and be a bit more critical about it. But just it for general... things in your brain. Yeah, it, it allows you to remove the choice that you need to make constantly in art because art's already about choices. It's about momentary, what's better, this or that, or what can I do, this or that. And if on top of that, you're trying to like ask why and you're trying to question and you're trying to sort of interpret the most productive process while you're in the process, I guess, I guess what it comes down to is something that I always heard from Pixar artists I couldn't quote you a specific place because it was years ago that I was investigating all this stuff, but they always said, trust the process, mm. put the process in place, trust the process, do the process. And then if you get to the other end and something was like higher leverage and if something was harder than it needed to be, then once you've completed one iteration of the thing, you go back and you fix the thing. You don't try and build the train track as you're riding the train. Yes, I I think this kind of leads into something else that I wanted to talk about, which was routine and automating things in your brain. And yeah, so I've it. Yeah, have it. I, I've read a little bit in psychology, not, not too deep at all, mostly just in things that are relevant for me and being productive. Yeah. And that we need routine as humans. If we don't have routine we just become these <laughs> sedentary we just sugar consuming blobs yeah we just become like a shell of something that you know we could be or or something like that you know when you have say like when you've got a child and they you know, if you have them in a routine you know they wake up this time they eat at these times and they go to bed at these times and all that sort of stuff they are much easier to manage if you don't have a child in a routine. Oh, 100%. They're just an absolute little devil. Um, what, <laughs> and, one of my previous jobs was uh, being an education assistant for dis disabled children um, in school, and especially autistic brains and people on the spectrum and people with ADHD and all these behavioral systems. These are just sort of like a deficiency or an amplification of traits that everybody has anyway. Um, that's why they call it a spectrum because everybody's on it. It just depends on which end you're on or whether you're more in the middle. Mm. The 
thing that I've always noticed is that anything that applies to people who are at a bit of a disadvantage or an advantage, however you choose to describe it in that way, it applies to regular people as well. And that structure that you're talking about every time, if you get them on a repetitive schedule, it's never going to be so repetitive because of life, because of the chaos theory and the universe around us that it becomes unmanageable. You're not creating a groundhog day for yourself or other people. You're just giving yourself a framework to live by. Mm. Yeah, it, what it, what it does is it automates things in your brain. It's the, the things in your day that are most likely going to happen tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. And so if you can do those things in the same way at the same time, it, it's almost like a circadian rhythm where your brain just kind of knows when to wake up in a similar way and with you a routine. Feel it. You get drawn towards it. Yeah, where as in if you forgot yeah, if you've got a routine where you've got to do a particular thing at a particular time in a particular way or something like that, uh, something that's habitual. Mm. It's it's something Can... that automates it. And everybody has a mental bandwidth. You know, there's only so much that your brain can process in a day. And yeah. by freeing that up in having by not having to think about oh shit shit i got off oh what am i gonna do for dinner if, if you've got something sorted for, if you know you know what to do for dinner if you have dinner at a certain time uh or, or you've got a certain time to go buy your dinners or you have a certain time that you pre-cook or whatever then that takes a lot of that stress away from you it's already done it's already automated which is something very hypocritical that i should be taking advice from uh, <laughs> do do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, not as I do. You heard that. Yeah. And well, look, if it's all right, could I put an asterisk on that? Because I think um, asterisk on that, because I think the power of habit, aside from productivity, could be a really good discussion that we could dive into. Because it's something I've done quite a bit of looking into myself, and I think that could be a topic for another day. At outside of necessarily the confines of talking about productivity. Yeah. Because um, there's also this book that I'm in the middle of, which I'd love to finish by the time we actually got around to that, which is um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm-hmm. And it has some pretty interesting stuff to say about this. Um, and I'd, I'd love to have that and bring that into the podcast, if at all possible. What I was thinking to sort of circle back around to applied productivity in that way are there any actual physical tools or apps or just anything you use? Because, like, for instance, as a tool, you use the act and the habit of going to the cafe and plugging in your laptop and setting that up. Like, that's a ritual, right? Do you have any other rituals or tools or aids that you use to help sort of uh, streamline that productivity to remove the choice? Uh, a notebook, honestly. <laughs> uh, I I think some of the best and reading, reading. I think two two of the things that I've found personally the most useful, the things that I need to really start implementing again. But previously, when I found what I found the most powerful is writing and reading. You don't specifically have to write about the things that you are reading, but I found that when I was at uni, just coming home and reading for half an hour was a really good way to reset my brain transition to transition 
Uh, and that, that's less relevant to like the whole productivity thing, but it, it's sort of relevant in that it was a good way to defragment my brain so that I'd be fresher for the next day. And the, bring focus back. I, bring focus back. And another point was when I was regularly writing. You know, every day I'd sort of do a bit of work and then write or, you know, whenever I would write in the day. And writing just word vomiting kind of like what we're doing in this podcast stream of consciousness just stream of consciousness on the page uh formalizing sorry excuse me formalizing your thoughts i think is just a, a really great way to help you rationalize things that you're thinking about and you know you can i mean even if you just talk about you open a sentence with i like pizza and also and then keep uh, writing from there yeah yeah and then like sooner or later and it's usually sooner where your brain just kind of goes click and it's onto a topic that's actually on your mind maybe it's not ex- something that's not really verbal like not something that you really were aware that you were wanting to think about but something that was there nagging you all of a sudden like in, instead of it just passing through your mind it catches it catches mm. on the page and you, you're not going to really move past that as easily as you would, you, you know, you're not going to get distracted as easily as you would in your own mind. And it kind of quiets that echo in your head. It, a little it bit. makes it linear. Cause like your brain can open nine tabs and one of them's <laughs> playing music and you can't find it, you know, like, yes. whereas if you're writing stream of consciousness, it forces all of your brain to work on that, linear sentence totally and so what that what that does for me in terms of productivity is that if i have a problem you know say i'm doing like game art or whatever and i have a problem that i can't solve say it's like i don't know my uvs or i can't figure out how to paint this certain thing first of all just taking a break and walking away every so often is actually a good thing but also taking a break to do some writing in, hmm. in that time, you can actually, th- th- you know, there might actually be a solution there in your head, but you can't really, you can't really focus on that You have to as take well. the pressure off it before you can change it. Yeah. So, you know, you, you kind of, you, you step away from it, which is the first good thing to do once you get really stuck on something. But then I, writing I love about long it, walks, man. I got to say that the too. highest leverage I get is a long walk because once you finish thinking about, you know, your tax return and the last stupid thing you said, um, <laughs> you you get through all of that stuff and then eventually your brain just sort of starts hitting all the topics in sequence and it just goes this one, this one, this one. And then your brain goes, hey, did you realize that this thing was connected to that thing? And you go, I did not. And did now you, I do. Have you heard of Martin Heidegger? Uh, no. Oh, maybe. What's he done? He was a German philosopher in the early 20th century and so he he wrote a lot about walking and thinking and how those two are just absolutely connected like if you want to think you walk and that's how he would really think about that's how he would really write a lot of the topics of his books is that he would he'd more or less just write them in his head and like a lot of his philosophical theories would be solved just through walking you know going through hikes in forests or the countryside or 
you know, even just around cities. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just allowing your brain the space to think about something less linearly. Because while, while you're writing, it's turning your brain into a linear stream, which helps you focus. But mm. when you're walking, you're opening up all those tabs again and you're letting the music play and you it's make connections like that are a bit... Yeah, it, it's it's a more arbitrary way of interpreting the information. It's less programmatic and more creative. It basically just lets your brain scream it all out. You know, like you, your brain kind of just... Like you, you go on a walk, you let your brain stream everything out that it's done. You get back from it, it's like, you're right? You done? Yeah. You good? All right. And then you sit down yeah. and you look at your work and, and you go, hey, so that's what was missing. And you have like that then, quietness. Like, I was just going to say that like, I also find a really, a really good way of keeping focused once you're in that place. Once you've either done your stream of consciousness writing or you've gone for a big long walk, long showers as well, they can help. Um, oh, but they do use I a lot of water, shower. so... <laughs> yes, the... yes, I, I do not have long showers to think. Yes, that is... Yes, I'm a ecological... <laughs> I'm going to leave this long pause in, by the way. <laughs> oh, I um, the, the, <laughs> the, the problem I was... The, the other thing that I was going to talk about was that once you're actually in that moment, you have to preserve that moment you you need to figure out ways not only that you won't be distracted but that you can expect not to be distracted Mm. and that's where communication really comes in especially if you live with other people because i found that when living with other people i really need to tell them during these hours or for the next little while i'm going to be focused in working and like this might just be me because i tend to be very sensitive to like sounds and changes in my environment (laughs) but I need silence to work properly. And usually I get that by just sticking some headphones on or whatever, but you do need to make sure that everybody around you knows you're trying to focus because the smallest thing can derail you. And then you know, it's sort totally. of like you're, you're trying to blow up one balloon, but then there's this other little balloon that's taking some of that pressure and slowly it transitions so that more of that pressure is going into the second balloon. And all of a sudden you're thinking about, you know, the light buzzing or that tap dripping or somebody's trying to get your attention. And then you're not thinking about the thing you're doing. And it's like that thing where you've read a sentence and you have to read it three more times because you didn't internalize it because your focus is split. And I think it's just as important to maintain that focus as it is to gain it in the first place i think there definitely does come a point where you have to allow that focus to break because it will if you don't just snap it it will just deteriorate to deteriorate you can get yeah no you can get um tangented very easily and then you're very focused on the wrong thing yes and what i use actually for that is i use a visual timer um, it doesn't tick, crucially, because that would drive me insane. But it's um, like a egg timer that you just turn a little dial on, and it's got a red band instead of a like a clock face or a timer. And you can visually see at a glance, it goes for an hour, or any increment in, there in between, but you can visually see exactly how much focus you've got left. 
And so what I found really handy is having a notebook open next to me while I'm working. When I think of something that's going to distract me, I write it down in the notebook so I'm not worried that it will distract me and because it'll remind me after that period of focus uh, when I can go and Google that thing that I just thought of. But during that one hour that I set, or 30 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever I'm working with at the time, that time, which I can see very easily and which isn't distracting me by having like a huge number on the screen, is just for that one task. And then if I do tangent, I will get alerted by the alarm when it goes off. If I haven't tangented, I probably need a break anyway. Yes. I I think that's the timers for me personally. I think they're actually a really good tool because once I've, I don't, I don't understand how it works in my brain, but when I set a timer to do some work, I just work better. It's just kind of like, you know that, and this goes back to me doing an hour in the morning is that you know that your time is limited and you're going to say, oh, crap, I really need to be productive. You, that, that one hour that I do in the morning, knowing that it's one hour, knowing that I'm not just going to sit here forever uh, and I can just procrastinate, having that sort of hard line set there drawn in the sand it's, makes me a bit more aware and a bit more... Uh, you know, less likely to tangent off in my brain or just be like, hey, I wonder what's happening on Reddit or that sort but of thing. But then even if you do, you're only doing that for however long you've got left on the clock. You know, like you're not doing that for the next three hours because you'll be alerted and you'll be like, oh, I was supposed to be working on such and such. You can just reset the timer. But at that point, you've broken that focus like you were talking about so that you refocus on what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Like, I I suppose for me doing an hour uh, and what is critically important in getting out of the house and going to a cafe is that I can't just procrastinate. I, I have to... I, I, I can't just sit there for, an, for, you know, three hours or two hours because eventually they're going to go get the hell out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I feel like being there for an hour at that point is a little bit. Well, that's just because we both have crippling social anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, but, but having, having that pressure of, you know, having to actually leave makes me less likely to, you know, just set the clock back. Yeah. You're not too comfortable. Yeah. I'm not too comfortable. And, and that actually is uh, another thing that I use another tool which is have you heard of Wim Hof W-I-M space H-O-F-F no so he this is something I've been uh, implementing recently and it was shown to us by a mutual friend um, <laughs> and he he's this Scandi dude. I think he's from Finland possibly. And he's been pretty famous for like 20 years. You might actually vaguely remember him from, I don't know if you remember this Ripley's believe it or not, where he, he, he got famous of being in Finland or Norway or wherever the hell he's from and going out and swimming in glacier freezing water or hiking up 
this frozen mountain in like sub-zero temperatures, like negative 20 mm. in shorts with not even a shirt on, not even a t-shirt. And he was completely comfortable for it. He, huh. he would be in this frozen cold water like it's a spa. And when I was a kid and I first saw that, I was like, well, yep, okay, cool. That guy's just a freak of nature, right? And yep. I'm sure everyone just wrote him off that way at first, at first as well. But over the last 20 years, he has had a lot of studies done on him and conducted sort of through him where he does have a bit of a personality cult following at this point, which is, you know, it's kind of cool, but it's also, you know, personality cults. It's like it's, it's one hair away from being damaging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he, what he actually attributes this to is a breathing method. So if you want to find this online, just type in Wim Hof, Wim Hof breathing method. And mm. so he, the general gist of it is that humans for too long have become too complacent. Like we, we are used, we are used to just sort of sitting around and then oh, crap, there's a saber-toothed tiger, you know, chasing me or, you know, really having to struggle for your food. Humans have to have a bit of pressure, a bit of adrenaline pumped through them, a bit of stress, not like stress and like, mm. you know, oh, God, Sounds my a bit boss, like um, but physical vari- variable speed running when people do that uh, random speed running that they do where they, they run full out for a couple of minutes at like a sprinting speed. And then they'll like dial it back to a jog and then they'll go straight back up to running, but not quite sprinting. And they'll do that for the entire length of the course because it forces your body to adjust more actively to the aerobic intake. Yeah. So I'll just sort of explain what the Wim Hof breathing method is. And it's got some other things I haven't tried, but basically you do 30 really deep breaths in and you know, that is kind of, you, you you, you, you breathe straight into your stomach not literally into your stomach but so deep that your stomach expands yeah full breath in you pull your diaphragm down yep you don't uh you don't pause at all it's this constant circular stream of breathing the whole time it's actually kind of like hyperventilating or it is hyperventilating whatever and once (laughs) just casually hyperventilate yeah and so on the 30th breath on the exhale, not the inhale, but the exhale, you hold. So on the exhale, you hold it. And, you, you know, realistically, you hold it for as long as you bear to. But it's you've got to hold it for the upper levels of what's comfortable. But generally, Wim Hof encourages people to hold for oh. 60 seconds. And then... Oh, yeah, no, no. So you're... you're, you're hyper-oxygenating your blood yes. by hyperventilating. Yes. And then you're holding your breath to burn off that additional oxygen. Yeah. And what it actually does is it, bur- not only does it burn off the oxygen, but it also burns off all of the, oh, burn off, but it uses up all of that carbon dioxide. And I'll explain this in a bit more once I've explained how it actually works. So you do, once you hold for as long as you can or, you know, for a minute or however long, you breathe in. And you hold that for 15 seconds. It's a relief breath. And then once you exhale that, you start again. So that's the first round. Then it's generally recommended that you do it uh, three times. And that's how long I usually do it for. 
and you look really weird when you do it. My old housemate used to give me really strange looks. And I actually looked up a, a video of a doctor breaking down how it actually works. And so what it does is during that oxygenation phase, uh, your body builds up not only a lot of oxygen, it builds up a lot of carbon dioxide. But during that cycle, that, that round that you do, the the carbon dioxide rapidly uh, falls, but the mm. oxygen stays consistent. The oxygen you know, continues to actually go up a little bit. So by the end of you know three rounds, your body has, your, your blood has a lot less carbon dioxide and acidity in it through that. And, but it's got a lot more oxygen in it. And it's almost like being in a forced state of meditation where I'll sit down on the couch and so my living room is north facing and for you folks in the northern hemisphere the north facing is where you want to be because that's where the sun goes if you're in the northern hemisphere the sun will sort of shine on the southern faces of the buildings where it's the reverse down here and all the toilets flush backwards hey boinky the more you know anyway so that's that's a side note but so i sit there and the sun goes by and I'll do these breathing methods and as I'm doing it, I actually, it makes you more aware of your body. You can feel your heartbeat a little bit more. You can hear things around you. It's like being in a state of meditation. And so when that sun sort of comes by, I can actually feel exactly what's part of my body is in the sunlight because it gets like this intense tingling going through it. Not quite like pins and needles, but just this really intense kind of pleasant tingling going all through mm. my body and then it once does, I've done it does sound like a targeted meditation yeah and so once I finish that the level of stress that I feel the tension is just like it's just you just feel so much more relaxed and it's not like you, that you feel you know this sort of really pleasant orgasmic high state but you just feel like you just feel normal and you don't realize yeah. that you didn't feel normal until you did it. And I've fallen out of the habit, but I got to a very similar place actively doing, uh, there were more basic breathing exercises, but just general meditation I do find really helps, especially when you're under a lot of pressure. Like you've got a lot going on and deadlines and stuff just feels all a bit too heavy. Mm. Ta it's even just taking that moment sometimes helps. And I think the breathing exercises a lot of the time, I don't doubt that the, there's some science behind it, but just the fact that you are focusing on your breathing and nothing else gives you this space. And I think it's it's the body equivalent of that space that the walk gives your brain. Mm. And I think it all feeds into your ability to readjust and transition. Because that's something we really focused on when I was working in schools was especially younger people who don't have a lot of tools built around how they're going to change their focus and then reapply it without getting distracted you really do it's sort of like an essay format you need to tell them what's going to happen and when it needs to happen and then you need to tell them what has happened and there needs to be this transitional period where you're going from one state to another and a lot of the time i think in the modern world especially as adults if we're not doing that sort of stuff we sort of allow everything to feed into everything else without that breaking point 
And without that breaking point brought on by breathing exercises or meditation or reading a book or going for a walk, I think that's where that, that head fuzziness and that noise comes from. And that's what really distracts you. And like, I don't have any of the notifications on my phone turned on for the same reason. I can't stand the level of distraction that's present in this world. And I think taking that moment and I, I guess when you're doing those breathing exercises, you don't have any technology with you. You're just trying to be present with yourself in that moment. Right. <laughs> well, ironically, uh, here's where the sort of cult personality thing comes in is there's actually an app to help you do it. Right. And the reason why you don't have to use the app, but I personally prefer to use it, uh, because you well you know you're he, doing it right for starters yeah so what what he what he does is there's like a little bit of like ambient music in the background and he'll kind of sort of keep telling you to breathe and what it allows me to do is instead of counting my breaths and sort of being aware of like now's probably time to do my breath hold is i just close my eyes i just focus on my breathing my brain doesn't really acknowledge the words that he's saying. It's it's kind of more automatic. It is, but on a more yeah. automatic level. And then it's once a, he says... It's like Headspace and all those other apps where it is a guided sort of meditation, yeah. I guess. And so when he says, you know, hold, it's not like I'm hanging on to every word that he says, but when he says hold, I go, oh, okay, now. You know, I don't have to sit there and go, one, two, three, you know, I, it's yeah, just... Yeah, no, I get that. I yeah. get that. Person, personally, though, I probably would try and do it on my own just because I find those moments very vulnerable and I want to be alone in that vulnerability. I don't want somebody else influencing me because I find that that is when I am most influenceable. Mm. And just personally, for me, I'm a lot more comfortable and a lot more able to get to that place if I know that it's born from me rather than being, you know, influenced by somebody else. But that's just my personal feeling about, and I understand how you'd get, you know, feel more comfortable following the script. Cause then a, like we talked about, was it this one or last one uh, where taking automating it so that you don't have to think about it so much. And especially when it's meditation, you, you don't want to be thinking about it too much. Um, but just in the last few minutes that we've got of the podcast, did you want to just turn that back around and like talk it to the productivity of it? Is it just the fact that it gives you that space and allows you to be more focused? Or? Yes. So I think that productivity focus are obviously very connected it goes without saying really but when you are able to do things like go for a walk you do some writing or do your breathing meditation whatever it quietens it makes you a little bit more peaceful in your mind and mm. it just allows you it's like a defrag defragmenting on a computer or something like that where you just work more efficiently after that and i think so, so what I'm getting we... actually, it sounds like a lot of the the productivity sort of, I don't want to call them hacks, but the productivity tools <laughs> that you use, it's like they're very preemptive. You have to put yourself in that place. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I don't really know many other ways that are effective for me. For me, it's mm. all about, you know, taking some time to sort of stop 
is kind of like the what is it the pomodoro uh method the pomodoro yeah where you do yeah. i think it's 20 minutes then five minutes 20 minutes then i think it's a couple of 20 minute fives and then you do 20 minute 10 and then you take a longer break yeah and it's you... it's for me my productivity tools are not overloading my brain knowing when to sort of stop and not overload my brain to use up my mental bandwidth because mm. I, I read this uh i read this book uh that was it was actually about like poverty and wealth but it was talking about how some uh indian farmers i think they were sugar farmers or something like that they one half of the year they'd be loaded because they just like get all their crops and they'd be selling it and it's just like the you know, they're living the high life and then the other half of the year everything dries up they're living on savings basically and their mental bandwidth just gets consumed with just thinking about um you know making it from you know day to day and to the point where they actually scored lower on iq tests or intelligence tests because of that it's called the um uh um it's it's mental overhead, right? It's, it's yeah. There's an actual there's assigned an, memory. There's an actual term for it that I have that has escaped my um, the. I'm staring at the book now. Why won't you give me the word? Well, whatever. If it comes to you, it's we won't go into dead air where you look it up. But the the yeah no, I totally agree with that. It's 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 assigned brain power which means that you can't then retarget that towards other things and i have to admit i'm feeling a bit of that at the moment because yeah scarcity mentality issue, that's it scarcity mentality sorry scarcity mentality yes yeah. very familiar with that um because when you're in scarcity that's the most important thing so it's hard to preference other things above it which means that you're running with a lowered especially when it comes to creative work because creative work comes beyond necessity so if you don't have your necessity covered it's very hard to get to a place where you're feeling actively creative especially if your work depends on that that can be a pretty vicious cycle um yeah uh, there's a guy sean mccabe uh, he has a podcast called the sean west podcast i think it's on hiatus at the moment but he talks a lot about scarcity mentality in business. And that's something that um, really st struck me about his way of doing things. Cause he wrote a book, what was it? Um, the overlap, the overlap technique where he talks about not quitting his job until like not, not quitting your job until you have a certain amount of interest or runway in your side hustle when you're transferring into something that you want to do um that's the smart thing i should have done <laughs> yeah well that's the thing though i don't necessarily agree with that and i think we'll be talking about this as we go over th as we go over things but the other mental overhead is hating life and if you don't have six months worth of work in you to get that six months runway that you need to quit your job and do something new in my opinion, you just need to quit because you're going to figure out a way to live, especially if you live in, you know, an advanced westernized world, especially if you live in a company with a company, especially if you live in a country with socialized healthcare and a bit more of a safety net. Yeah. I'm looking at you, America. 
Um, the, the, I think the best thing to do for you is to get out of that situation as soon as possible and then see where you are because mm. scarcity is assuming that if you quit now, you won't find something. And it's also anticipating that you won't be able to be creative or that you won't be able to find something else if it comes to that. And I think, I think staying in a situation that's bad for you can be the worst thing that you do, especially for creative productivity. Yeah. Because at that point, you do have that scarcity mindset because you're like, but if I quit and I can't do anything, then I'm scuppered. Yeah, I think my main, my only real comment on that would be is that while yes, that is the ideal thing to do, we, you and I do have the privilege of where we were able to do that on a whim much more. And oh, I yeah, sort of yeah. have the, you know, it's kind of like if you've got, if you've, lo- if, if you've loaded yourself up with some responsibilities where you've got kids and a mortgage and all that sort of stuff, you've already taken on that responsibility. You know, you don't just get to walk away from it. So there are individuals where, you know, that sort of slow and easy way is the best way because oh, like if certainly. you don't, your kids are going to starve. Well, you know, ah, well, you know, screw the kids. But, <laughs> you know, some people might not want their kids to starve. Well, here's, here's my response to that is that, yes, I think, I think there are places that you can put yourself in where it is a bad idea, but I would argue that it was a bad idea to get yourself into that position in the first place. It's easy to say from outside of that perspective, I know, but <laughs> you, okay, so for listeners of the podcast... There may or may not be a slightly socialist through through line on this podcast. Uh, we apologize for that in advance. But when you are living in late stage ultra capitalism, there are definitely some no win scenarios where you've gotten yourself into a position where you just have to keep doing what you're doing. I don't think you have to put yourself into those circumstances, but I think those circumstances are definitely the ones that are both championed and lauded by society as a whole, Mm. which means it's easier to put yourself into that place. Outside of that, if you've not done that, then you do get a bit more wiggle room. Yeah, and that's the sort of situation you and I were in where we were heading down that path. And I I was on that road, but I was on that road where I... I was on that slip and slide, man. Yeah, we were both on that slip and slide where we could have easily have just stayed on that slide, but... I've I've always been aware of where that slip and slide would take me and I personally don't want to go down that slippery dippery and I jumped off said slippery dippery and uh, that's that's and, uh, as we've said before that that's sort of the instigating force behind this podcast is how to then take that choice seriously and make the best of that circumstance because it might seem like not the cleverest idea and it might seem like it's hard to replicate and the documentary process here is to see if that's true because there there exists a good possibility that we both end up back in exactly the same position that we were in um we're hoping not (laughs) (laughs) but by talking about these sort of topics and getting getting to this sort of uh uh, nitty-gritty of 
stuff that maybe people don't necessarily think about on a daily basis, like their own productivity and where they are in their own brains and how to avoid depression and anxiety and while still producing good work, which are all topics that I think not only do we want to cover, but we'll just end up covering as an output of other things. It's, it is it is taking it seriously and it's worth thinking about, I think. And sometimes hearing it said out loud and interacting with that thought more actively can be very valuable. And yeah, that's, that's why we're covering topics like uh, productivity and perfectionism because it's not always about the art and it's kind of hard to cover art in a audio medium. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there's a lot more to it than that. And that's sort of the, the meat of where we're hoping to go. Yeah. I, I honestly hope that uh, this, this uh, little experiment of ours does work out, but. And that's what it is. It's an experiment. We have no idea how well this is going to work. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just got completely distracted by something. Uh, thanks for being here, Jade. Yeah, no worries, man. No worries. Now for the rest of this podcast, I think there is one thing that we are yet to say. And what's that? Well, where can we find you on social media? Oh, well, how about you go first while I have forgotten all of my social medias and will now have to check them. Actually, that's not true. I, between the last podcast and this one, changed myself to at Animator Chris on every social media platform, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you find Animator Chris, you can find me there. And how is Chris spelled? K-R-I-S. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Jaden Storace. You can find me on Instagram at Jaden ray r-a-i you can also find me on instagram again as j-s-t-o underscore visual and you can also find me on art station as Jaden stoache all links will be in the description and i will condense all of my socials into something logical like chris but i have not done yet because i procrastinated <laughs> are, you, are you gonna put a, put a link to the breathing exercise guy yes i will do that um honestly try it it's I'll awesome. give it a go. I've, I've got some of, I've got some of my own uh, some of my own coping mechanisms, let's call them, that might interrupt that, but I can give it a go, see how it works. Yeah. Um the the other thing before we end today, I just wanted to know sort of like what you were going to be working on this week, if anything's changed, any takeaways. Um what I'm going to be working on is yeah. being more productive. Although, well... <laughs> ooh, ooh, look at that one. Well, no, well, actually, <laughs> well, to be honest, I've got some stuff coming up with like family birthday stuff. So that will distract me yeah. uh, moderately to severely. But in the meantime, I am going to be continuing to do my hour in the morning. I mm -hmm. am going to be writing some more reading a bit more uh continuing my breathing and just generally pumping out the art are you so you're going to be working on the uh the the hand-painted post box no, sci-fi phone, phone booth yeah sci-fi sci phone, sci booth. Sci so phone booth i'm hoping to finish that off in about a week or so so 
Yeah, where, I'll probably... where will that most likely be posted? That will be posted on my art station, Twitter, and my Instagram. Oh, so you're going to spam it out to the interwebs. I will spam it out to the interwebs. Please, everybody, like, follow, and share, and comment, and cool. all of that fun stuff. So what do you want to talk about next week so that the, the good people at home have something to look forward to? Um... <laughs> I was thinking that maybe we could we, maybe we could go straight into uh, to the power of habit. How does that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's you? let's go into habits. It follows on pretty well from this one. Let's just hope we don't repeat everything we spoke here. Mm, so maybe having a gap is good. I was thinking it might be fun to talk about types of income that we're looking at, ways to have jobs without having nine to fives. Mm-hmm. Um. At the moment, because I'm in a sort of like a learning and uh, portfolioing stage, I can't really talk too much about what I'm doing other than investments, but it would be nice to maybe talk about what we're intending to do and different ways of making money as artists in our position. We could probably do one on that before we hit type, uh, was it uh, the power of habit? Just so that there's a bit of space for us to let it matriculate and, uh, we might come back with some fresh ideas because I would like I would like to do that soon though because I'm reading a book about it. Yeah, I mean that'll give you some time to uh, finish up your book and let it marinate in your juicy, juicy brain. So yes, next week, kiddies, we will be talking about jobs, income, and career paths, and the alternate ways that you can do those outside of the typical. And what day? What day are we uploading at the moment? We are uploading on Fridays. Fridays. So well, actually just Friday, a bit of how the... Friday mm-hmm. in Australia, that is. Ah, so that'll come out on so, Thursday evening in the States? Yeah. So it comes out uh, Friday in Australia, probably Thursday evening in the US. Good show. Yeah, honestly, the this one was a significant improvement from the previous one. I just had to warm it up again. The old pipes. Yeah. Um, And we're also planning on putting up a bit more other content eventually, but we're hoping, especially on YouTube. We won't say what we'll be uploading in the future because we don't know exactly what that will be, but there will be something in the future outside of these podcasts at a point in time. (laughs) Very cryptic. That that sounds a lot cagier than I was trying to make it, but yes, um, side eyes extra content for all the good children this is just my assumption but i think that once we get if we get a bunch of views slash listens slash plays regularly every week then that will be good for our reach great well you heard it here first folks yep if your interests are aligned with ours and you have nothing but our best interests in mind (laughs) at all times then you should definitely share, share like, and share, share, subscribe. Like, comment, subscribe. See ya!